I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that, out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Cabbie Presents podcast. I'm your host, and you're about to experience the strength of street knowledge. You're not, you're not getting, you're actually not going to get it. Actually, no, you will get some knowledge. But it's not from the street. Not that, not from Compton, like Dr. Dre said in Straight Out of Compton. I just saw the tanning of America on VH1 recently, and uh, there were some clips from uh, NWA in that special. And also, shout out to Neil Brennan, who uh, has a funny joke about NWA in his special... Uh, women and black dudes. It's very good. It's on Comedy Central for like five bucks. You can you can order it. I recommend it. So again, I have to apologize to the audience. Some of you guys hit me up on Twitter, which I do appreciate, and reminding me to be more frequent with the podcast. I've been traveling a bunch. I just got back from Oklahoma City. I met Kevin Durant, interviewed him uh, for a piece, and he shouts he shouts out Boy Wonder, the T.O. producer who's been responsible for many of Drake's hits and one of Eminem's biggest hits of his career, Not Afraid. It was Boy Wonder's beat that he rhymed on. Um, so shout out to you, Kevin Durant, for acknowledging and praising one of our talented Canadian artists. So I've been doing a bunch of stuff on TSN, for Sports Center, and if you missed those segments, you can go to tsn.ca slash Presents or look it up on YouTube. So today, one of my close friends, one of my good friends, joins me on the podcast. I didn't have to twist his arm to be on it because he does me a lot of favors, whether it's introducing me to some of his friends or taking me for a workout or offering his house every time I'm in California and more specifically Los Angeles. Super good dude and recently ripped Adam Burrish who told some stories about being friends with Vince Vaughn and he took to Twitter to say just because you wore a Vince Vaughn shirt or you've met him doesn't mean you're homies. So he's going to tell that story and many more and he joins me on the phone right now. If it's going to be uh, an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. The first time I met this man was in 2007. He was the anchor of a Montreal Canadiens defense. I can't remember the theme of the interview. It may, be, it, like, it may have been about people watching or like a tell-all book. Either way, he was very cool with me. And uh, he's actually very, he's very handsome too. So it was like weird looking at him in the eyes. And then in uh, 2009, our relationship changed. I wasn't just a media guy, but I was, it changed to something else. You know, we were in Montreal for the NHL All-Star Weekend. And even though 
Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby were hockey's biggest stars, Sheldon Sure ran the city. Now, this is two years removed from dressing in the iconic Montreal Canadian sweater, and this dude ran things. And I got to taste a little bit of his life in that weekend. I'll tell you that story in a moment, but I'm happy to be joined by Sheldon Surrey. Dude, what an intro, man. I got to hire you as my PR guy. But it's a, it's a truthful one. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but... Um, no, no, it's truthful, 100% know, it, truthful. What do you mean? It's like, that's actually how it happened. It was the one interview, you were in Toronto, I, I interviewed, interviewed you, and then just a couple of years later, it was, I don't even, I think we just we just saw each other at the All-Star game, and then we exchanged numbers. You're like, yo, come have a drink, or come meet up for food, and then I met you at Cavalli, and at that that night I saw an 11 out well, my first 11 out of 10 in real life there was a girl behind the bar that was she walked in slow motion dude it was she was unbelievable like just an absolute stunner and that was like uh eh. you're like eh. not not that you're there to like talk to girls and stuff but like that was like nothing to you that was like a random Tuesday night to you I was I was probably just, you know, so focused on our interview or our dinner that I didn't, you know, I was oblivious to everything happening around us. I don't know. Well, you, um, did have a, you did have a lot of people there. You had, like, your whole family. <laughs> like, your sister was there. Your mom's was there. Uh, who's the dude that was in Smallville, one of your closest friends? Oh, yeah. Mikey Rosenbaum was there. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. No, I mean... You know, we're, to to live and play in a city like Montreal, you just get spoiled by how good the restaurants are, how hot the women are, you know, uh, how great they treat you when you go out for a dinner or, you know, you're just cruising around town after a practice for coffee. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a hockey city and, and the greatest hockey city in the world and you know, to be a part of it, to see all that stuff. It was fun when I went back with you because we got to see it. You know, I got to go back as a, a visitor and uh, and kind of, you know, have my eyes open again. It yeah, was, uh, that you, was a fun weekend. Yeah, and you were still treated like the king. And in French, that is le roi. You're you're treated like le roi. Okay, so this is okay. So so two things. One, I I remember. Okay, so on the work side, I remember this interview that we did. Uh, it was post All Star game. It was just after the game. I'm in the Western Conference All Star dressing room because you at the time you were playing for the Edmonton Oilers, and I asked you if you needed to shower after the game, as it seemed like no one was playing particularly hard. And your response was, "I'm not going to shower." But if I did, I'd have to wear that jacket because it has a strong odor of cologne. Now, in this interview, I'm wearing like a black zip-up. It's like a, a Man U or an Arsenal zip-up. And I guess I doused myself with, with cologne. And I'm like, which one? Like mine? And, uh, and I responded. And then you asked the brand of cologne I was wearing. And I was trying to say Jean-Paul Gaultier. But you comedically hit me with a Jacquard Noir. It's Jacquard, it's Jacquard isn't it? And I exploded. And uh, that clip was included in a, in a top 25 list that uh, I compiled from an old segment I used to do uh, back in my score TV days. Uh, and I've since stolen that line, Jakar Noir, and I used it on Mike Camilleri the last time I saw him, which was maybe six m months ago. 
did not fail. He doubled over in laughter because no one's expecting that reference to to come with, with with regards to Cologne. So thank you, sir. I'm crediting you now, but I have not credited you in the past when I've stolen your line. Oh, dude, you are you are welcome to use that anytime. And I, I have the. Uh the female version for when I go out and, you know, you're sitting beside a nice looking lady and you're talking to her and she smells good and you tell her she smells good. You say, wow, you smell good. What is that exclamation? <laughs> and the, and you either, you either get a, a drink dumped on your head or they laugh and then you know what kind of uh, girl you're dealing with and then you can just take the night from there. So that's my female version. I like that. that exclamation. I am 1,000% yep. going to steal that <laughs> like in, in the next 48 hours. Yeah, you need to, it, you know, you got to, it's almost like a disclaimer with that joke, though, because, you know, it's either going to go really good for you or it goes horribly wrong. So, uh, <laughs> it's a good well, one. I imagine if you look like you, it always goes well. If you look like me, I'll have a vodka soda dumped all over my face. Dude, when you look like me, you better be funny. It doesn't get you very far. So, you better I'm, have, you know, you better have some backup. I would love to punch you in the face. <laughs> You probably uh, have. Yeah, right. Uh, so the sec, okay. So the second, and more importantly, which relates to the storytelling that I like to do on the Cabby Presents podcast, uh, which you happily agreed to uh, participate in because you're you're throwing shots at Adam Burrish in uh, uh, just a few days ago when he came on the podcast. But here's here's what here's when I knew that you are a god among men. Okay, we were rolling with your friend Max. And Max uh, owned a few restaurants in Montreal. Um, you set me up with a table at Med when Med was like a hot spot in uh, Montreal. And of course, Buonanote, when Buonanote had its like, you were there in the Buonanote prime because we got there in 09 and Buonanote was sort of like on the back end of its prime. And you were there from like the years where it was just like gasoline, just fire. And I can imagine, and I'd like you to tell me a story about Buonanotte in that era. But okay, so this is the story. On the closing night of NHL All-Star Weekend 2009, we're in Montreal, we had a club called Opera, which apparently is no longer in existence. Opera was this huge nightclub, multiple levels, and we're kind of in the back at this bar. And you have your back to the rest of the club, and you're talking to your friend Max and another dude. Shelly, I don't know if you realize this, but I'm watching you just have a conversation with your dudes. I'm having a cocktail, and there are actually, this is real, this is not an exaggeration, although I do like, I do live in hyperbole sometimes. There were like seven women waiting just to catch your glance, and you have your back to the women, and each one of them, dude, was like a dime piece. I'm saying the average hotness was about an 8.8. That's the average hotness. So they're for sure, there's probably a girl that was like an 8, maybe like an 8.2, which I would have happily befriended from then until infinity. But you had, and then, and then there were some who were hotter than an 8.8, but you, like, you didn't even care that they're there, dude. That's how I knew you were a god among men. Do you remember that? You oh, buddy, they, they must. I must have had like some mustard on my shirt or mustard, something. They must yeah. have just been yeah, wanting, that, wanting to why, tell me. Yeah, that's why women would be clamoring. It's to tell you. They must. Well, they probably just shirt. wanted to tell me. They probably just wanted to tell me, you know, there's something something wrong with me or trying to kick me out of the city. But, dude, I you know what? You, you, I love. I would. The reason why I said I would happily come on this podcast is because you make everybody who comes on here feel good, and I am no exception. So, 
Are you, you're dodging note, it. This is you're dodging on, it. You're dodging on, it, Shelly. On that note, you this is this is a good story. But dude, when I go out, I'm with my guy. That you know, going back honestly on a, on a flip side, I do remember we we did have a lot of fun there, and uh, um, we did strike up a friendship before that, and and we did become you know you kind of cross that line. You don't you don't usually mix media guys and and you know with, with business with pleasure type thing, but. I remember we did strike up a friendship, and, and we've been friends ever since. Um, and I do remember being there for that All-Star weekend when I'd left Montreal and, and had gone back as a weekend to see my friends, and, and uh, I had my family there with me. But to see my boys, to see you, to see all the guys just talking about Max and Rafi and Giovanni, all these guys who, who were doing great things in Montreal. Um, so to come back there at that time, you know, it, being, I don't know, paying attention to, to things that weren't important um, wasn't catching my attention. I mean, it was like I was there to, to, to see my friends, to enjoy coming back there as, a, you know, as something, as a success, I guess, at that point in my life for being an all-star game and stuff. So I came back there and I enjoyed it as, like, you know, coming back to see friends. But that said, we did have a little bit of fun. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you an anecdote which is from my friend Brendan Lynch. His mom has told told him this when he was in high school and Brendan Lynch has has since given me this nugget and I like to say this is sometimes when you're thirsty you'll drink dirty water. You were not thirsty, but you had like the Evian friggin' Alps. You had the mountains, like you had like the most pristine, like drinking water available to you. You're like, you know what? I'm not thirsty. I'm just gonna stand over here and catch up with my dudes. Listen, I respect the game because clearly you weren't thirsty or hungry. But to a dude like me, who's missed many meals, if we go on this uh, <laughs> metaphor, uh, man, an introduction would have been nice. <laughs> Dude, you know what? All I I I thought that you were uh, I thought the cat for the first time that since I'd known you and I felt like the cat. So if you would have spoken up, I I gladly would have helped you out. But I just looked at you and I thought you were enjoying yourself because you had a big smile on your yeah, face. Yeah, you, you know you yeah. you didn't you didn't have enough hands for all your drinks. Uh, <laughs> so I just figured you were having a great time. There was no, you know, no issues. It was a fun environment to be in. So uh, so what what cologne are you using these days? Oh man, I old faithful old spice. Shut up! Just, oh, dude. but the old spice deodorant is dope. Like that actually lasts yeah. all day in the red, the red container, like the original or whatever. Those those are dope. But what do you actually? What cologne are you wearing? Dude, I swear to God, I'm not here. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a funny story. I'm I'm skating on Sunday nights with uh you know in the summers in with the Jerry Bruckheimer and there's some actors and stuff. One of these actors comes up to me one of these nights and he goes, man, what kind of cologne is that? He goes, that's that's a really nice cologne. Kind of laughed. It's kind of like the Jacquard joke, right? He kind of laughed and he's like, no, dude, seriously, what is that? And I said, no, I'm serious. It's Old Spice. So I go away, you know, uh, another summer goes by and I go back and I'm skating with this group again. It's been like a year later. And uh, one day this guy shows up at the skate and he comes up to me and goes, Man, I gotta tell you, bud. He goes, you weren't kidding with that old spice. He goes, I've been wearing it. I've had so much luck with the ladies, and, and he, he goes on this story, and I'm I'm killing myself laughing. I'm like, oh my god. 
Well, hey, I, you know, I gave him a push in the right direction. I guess he took he took the ball and he ran with it. But uh, Dude, yeah, because you, know. you know they those maybe those women recognize a familiar smell. And they're like, you know what? I like this smell, and this smell excites my pheromones. So you know, what I'm oh. gonna, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm yes, it makes a blizzing blizz. Oh, it's a beautiful thing, buddy. Dude, what I, cone are you wearing? What kind? What kind of cone are you wearing? You oh. know, that day that I did sit next to you, I felt that you must have, you know, bought a new bottle and you must have <laughs> dropped it on your way to the rink or something. <laughs> dropped it on yourself. I may, um, I may not have showered before I went to the know, game. I may not have. A good, a good young-looking news reporter like you, sports reporter, <laughs> coming in, a dressing room full of other young studs, smelling as good as you did. I thought, wow, this guy, who's this guy impressing? You <laughs> did smell good. That, that's a true story. Well, I appreciate it. I Well, okay, listen, at the time... I was rocking Jean-Paul Gaultier because it's a great smell, powdery. I like it. It's fresh. For a while, my original scent was like uh, was uh, Allure by Chanel, but I, I rocked that for like a good three or four years. Then I went to the Jean-Paul Gaultier, and then I, I, then I rotated those two with uh, this one scent by Lacoste, but now I'm rocking this smell called Armani Code. But I rotate all four through the road, like through, because I don't want to just have one overpowering smell yeah, like I no. did in that interview in 2009. No, don't pigeonhole yourself. you got to have a little rotation. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm understanding where you're coming from. Absolutely. And and like in the re, in the re, one of the reasons is I know this girl who's a flight attendant from Air Canada. I won't say her name. But I met this girl. I, this has probably happened to you, but I met her on the plane, okay? I met her, obviously, because at her job. I met her on the plane, and then... I saw her after the plane landed, and uh, so whatever. So, and I, you know, I recognized her smell. And then I saw her other times in Toronto, and she always had the same scent. And I've seen yeah. her recently within the last, I'd say, like four months. She still wears the same color, oh, like same perfume. No Dude, I met this no chick in like '06. I'm like, it's no almost good. a decade, and you're wearing the same, I don't know if it's body lotion or perfume, but it's the same smell, because I think the sense of smell is the first one we remember, I think, as, as humans. I don't know if it's uh, the visual, but I think it's the smell or whatever. Um, but anyway, so that's part of the reason why I'm so adamant about rotating my sense, too, because I'm sure there are some chicks that I met in the past, and I was wearing the same friggin' cologne, because I can only spend 90 bucks every, you know, year on a new bottle of uh, cologne, but that one, that one irritated me. Well, they must, you know, maybe she had a good year in 06. Oh, maybe. You know I mean? maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe she had a good year, and she, you know, got a couple kills under her belt, and, <laughs> and she just got some good memories from 06, and she doesn't want to let go of that, and it sounds like maybe you were one of those memories, so, you know, well, you can't really blame her. I don't, I don't, I think she probably wants to forget. She probably, <laughs> if, if, if she, if she's holding up her, her resume in a court of law, there's going to be a lot of redacted files on that resume, and my name will be a black streak. It will be a, a thick sharpie through my name. She might want to get. She might want to hit the uh, the Jean Coutu for a bottle uh, of exclamation. <laughs> Shout out to, to Jean Coutu for those that are listening to this podcast in the U.S. It's like a it's like a CVS or a Walgreens. It's a it's a and here in Canada it's like a shop or for other parts of of uh, Canada it's like a shoppers drug mart. It's a little local uh, uh, convenience store. Um, so okay, okay. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm all yours. All right, but I want to like I want want to share some stories with you. So to the audience, okay. I'm going to tell this one story about actually the last time that I saw you. 
Uh-huh. I was in LA for some reason. I can't remember what I was shooting, but I hit you up. I was like, yo, Shelly, I'm in town for a few days. You want to catch a workout? And you're like, yeah, let's catch a workout. So I go to meet you at your crib at your friggin' castle on the PCH. Um, and, uh, and here's the thing about your place. It's like, it's, it's nondescript from the highway until you drive up to it. So your, your your highway, so you're not your highway, your driveway is long and thing, and you lead up to your place, and then you don't realize how friggin' deep your place goes. Like, your place is easily as, as long as, it's like a hockey rink. Like, it's so, you're so far deep into the campus. Anyway, so, um, at your place, we change and we go to a, a gym in, uh, is it Malibu, I guess? Malibu. Yeah, we went to Malibu gym. Gym in Malibu. And yep. you are... Th- actually throwing around 45s as you do these lunges and step ups and I'm trying to keep up with you with 15s in each hand and then you have the bonsu ball out and you're just like I am frigging dying like my left lung is about to collapse and you're just and you're t- trying to take it easy on me but I'm trying to keep up and I have no problems like admitting or showing the world that I I'm a disgusting fat pig and I don't have the the <laughs> the mental uh, the the mental stamina to keep way up. Way too hard on yourself. I'm telling you way no dude, you were killing it there and we just did like a 45 minute circuit and at one time I'm laying on the mats face down and you're like, "You okay, bud?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, man. Just let me just let me sit here for a few minutes." Boom, cut to we leave. Again, I collapse on the freaking pavement. We snap it for Twitter and then we go back to your crib and then you have you give me like a fresh coconut and I don't even think you had a knife to cut off the top I think you just cracked it with your hand and then you just gave me some fresh coconut juice which I appreciated and uh, that was wonderful so when at which point in your career did you come to enjoy working out because you're not just born the way you look you're you chiseled yourself into a friggin Michelangelo's David dude um that's funny. I do remember the, the when we did go work out there. I don't think, I think it was in probably early June or mid-June, so workouts were starting to ramp up, and um, I was probably just starting to get back into, like, the swing of things. And um, when you came and you asked me to work out, I felt like, like you wanted to get, like, a real workout in. You yeah, know and, I mean? I so we, and I got one, and I got one. So I think we kind of came out of the gates a little too hard. I think I overshot the target thing <laughs> You know, you wanted to get a little more of a workout in than uh, than you obviously did, but um, even that was fun. I don't know. Was Sean Penn? Did we see Sean Penn there that day? I think we were people watching that day too, and we were like, I don't know. know I don't know if he was there. I would have. I would have been like, like you. I would have embarrassed you if we saw Sean Penn. Uh, I thought. It, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was me and you that were there. And we we seen him and we were joking about it after. But I do remember going back to the place and um, yeah. My kids, they like these coconuts, you know, like the raw coconuts. And if you just, you know, here's how I learned about this. So I go to Vegas for this hockey tournament. I go to the mall one day. And at the mall, they have this huge sign in one of these, like, middle kiosks, you know, where now it would be they fix broken iPhones, you know. Well, it's this big kiosk, and it's got this thing that says, are you hungover? Try one of these, you know, coconuts. So the guy sits there, he grabs one of these coconuts, he, he you know, has this little machete and he kind of knocks uh, a little hole in the top of this coconut, pokes a straw in there, and you have this, the coconut water out of a fresh young coconut. And dude, it's like hangover cure, uh, you know, 101. I mean, it's I just the, 
the thing that works. So I incorporate that into, um, you know, with my kids and fooling around with my kids and like that's our little treat. Wait, because your, your kids are getting drunk and they need to have a hangover? Yeah, my kids, <laughs> my, my kids are just, you know, out of control, so I want to, you know, rehydrate them. Um, <laughs> no, they just, they just love the whole thing of, you know, dad kind of cracking open a coconut. So that's, uh, that's where I kind of had them, and then you came, and I'm like, why don't we try this out? And I remember that, uh, that you quite enjoyed it. I think it, you know, put a little pep back in your step, and then we went over a, a nice lunch. But, um, you know, to answer your question, I guess the first, I went into, when I first broke into the league in, like, 97, um, you know, I came close to making the Devils the year before that as, uh, as a, a young kid. And then the next year I thought it was going to be pretty easy. I was going to come back in the training camp and just make the team. And I didn't train very hard that summer. So I was probably, I was cut from the team right away and played in like all oh, the year before I was, I was there right to the end. You know, it was like one of the last cuts of the team. And then the next year I would, uh, had broken. I remember that I got called back into Lou Lamarello's office and he said, if you ever want to have another chance to play in the NHL, um, you're going to have to, you know, to never ever make the same mistake again and, and make a commitment to your training. So I, that wasn't lost on me. I mean, I wanted to play in the NHL and I figured if, if that's the sacrifice I had to make was to, uh, you know, do a little weightlifting and get in shape. Well, I was by, by all means I was going to do it. So, it started when I was pretty young, and in Jersey, they just kept me there in the summers. I would just train all summers. I would, uh, you know, go and work out with their strength coach in the mornings, and the team would pay for it all, you know, so I would just be there. I kind of, I wasn't spending any money. I was able to stay in New Jersey. I would go to New York City or down the Jersey Shore and on the weekend, so it was a pretty good gig for me, but at the same time, um, it really got me into training. And it really made a difference in, I think, how the organization viewed me. I mean, they saw that I was putting in the effort. And, you know, it just made me a lot more prepared to uh, to, to play in the NHL. So, And then once you get there, you know what they say, once you get there, getting there is one thing, but staying there is another. So you, once you get there and, and you kind of have a little bit of success or, or you taste a little bit, you just want more. So you'll do whatever it takes. So training is a big thing. I mean, these kids now are like, you know, freaks of nature coming in at 18 years old. I mean, I was a, uh, a pretty chubby, uh, you were kid. chubby. Yeah. At 18, 17, 18, I was a pretty chubby kid. That like actually no... chubby or like drew Dowdy chubby. <laughs> Probably like Phil, more Phil like Kessel Drew, Trump, Drew Dowdy. Chubby. I had, yeah, you know, I was just chubby, you know, more than anything, I didn't have any direction. You know what I mean? Like my diet was loose. Um, and my training habits weren't, were non-existent. So, it wasn't that I was, like, sloppy. It's just that I didn't really know. I didn't have to ever take care of myself uh, before because I'd gotten to where I was kind of, I don't know if it was on talent, but I would say more on just being a big kid and, and being able to, to, to squeak by. Um, but once, once I knew I had to train and that was part of the gig, it was no problem. It's something that I kind of embraced and enjoyed and, you know, made me feel better about myself and, obviously makes me a, uh, a better player. And as I've gotten older, Cabby, you know, and, and being a Malibu and, you know, Chris Chelios kind of took me under his wing and, you know, we all know the stories about Chelly and what a nut he is with training. So, you know, as I've gotten older, it's almost gotten easier to train because I'm in that environment with these guys who are hardcore, uh, um, animals, maybe not in the gym, but, you know, out on the, 
paddleboard on the ocean or on a bike on three-hour bike rides or, you know, carrying a log on the beach. I mean, some unconventional stuff, but stuff that's made it fun and interesting too, you know, not just going to a gym and reading off a sheet of paper, um, but doing something that's actually kind of functional and fun. When did uh, when did you notice that, like, this would be, like, my last workout question. Actually, yeah, one, I have one about the gym and one about working out. When did you notice the change in, like, programs for hockey players when they went from, like, explosive drills and exercises to, like, this kind of plyometric circuit-style brand of training? Like, what, do you remember, the like, when did that start to change? Because it, it feels like pe- kids now are just in this circuit, plyometric, kind of high-intensity, uh, high-intensity, high amount of reps kind of training. Yeah, I, you know, I, I probably got into training. I probably just caught the beginning of that curve. Like, it, they were kind of, training was kind of getting out of bench press and squats, you know, for as many as you could do. It started kind of getting into some circuit training and maybe a little bit more uh, track work and, you know, maybe a little bit more plyometric stuff. So I think I kind of started training when that just was starting. And then naturally, you know, over the course of my career, I've just kind of followed that arc, you know what I mean? It's just gotten more and more, less sort of like heavy lifting, more into being powerful and explosive and short burst stuff. Um, as opposed to, you know, bench press and leg press and just squatting and, and uh, riding the bike. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I've also been able to to align myself with some pretty cool dudes in uh, California that are, are serious about training but not training in a gym, like training, you know, on bike rides, on paddle boards, Dude, uh, you, you mentioned, like, beach. logs on the beach. When, when do you ever see a, a friggin' log on the beach? Well, like where, Hamilton, where? The big wave seafood. Well, well, these guys. So they they just bring it. They make it happen. Like Larry what do you Hamilton, mean they bring the it? The dude. Surfer. Yeah, I, it's I, a railroad tie, dude. You put you put a rope around a railroad tie. You put it on your back, and you got five guys as competitive as Chris Chelios and Laird Hamilton and and Johnny McEnroe and whoever else is out there. And you say, put this rope on your back with this log, and now whoever can, you know walk with this thing the farthest is is the winner today so that's kind of how their training goes i mean it's like who can do the most push-ups today who can run to you know the pier and back the, the fastest who can ride the biggest wave today um so once i started getting out of like the, the gym uh protocol and kind of into training with these guys like that it's like if you don't have something, if you don't have weights at the at the beach, well, they're going to bring them or they're going to make them, and that's what makes training fun, you know, I, that competitiveness. Shelly, I just don't know how the log got to the beach. Like, Bro, I've been so to California. They, they bring- the only logs there are, like, holding up the piers. Those no, beaches man. are pretty clean, man. They film Baywatch no, I, there. I know. They brought, so that, in that instance, they brought the railroad tie. You know, you MacGyver up a, uh, a harness <laughs> that you put on. It's a, a dude. I'm not kidding. I mean, that's, that's going to be our work next year when we're doing this podcast. You're going to have tried this, and you're going to oh, be like, "Whoa, okay. that was that was insane." I actually, mean, I do have to come to LA soon. Actually, in the next like two weeks, so I will come. Uh, like, I don't know where you'll be. Maybe you'll be on the road, or maybe you'll be home. But I'll, I'll uh, if you're up for it. I'll. I don't know if I want to do a log on the beach, but I'm down for a bike ride or 
friggin', I don't know, throwing around uh, rebar or like moving, hey, Cav, we're going to take these uh, this bricks and mortar and we're going to just build a little fort. <laughs> and the first person to build this fort in 30 minutes, you have to lift all these 800 bricks wins for today. I got I to gotta think of something. I think my dog needs a new a new dog. <laughs> so I should, I should think I'll make some, I'll, I'll rope you into doing something like that. But uh, no, it's, you know... That's the fun thing about being down here. The training, like like I was just, you know, to elaborate on the training just for another second, being in California, being outdoors, and me being here since, like, 2000, it's been so fun because health and fitness and, and looking good and having a healthy lifestyle, eating well, it, it's it's what it's all about out here, you know? So it's been easy to come. It's easier to come out here, let's say, and try to get in shape and try to be in shape and 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 stay healthy than it is maybe in Edmonton, you know, um, the weather, the, the people that are around, maybe the knowledge, the amount of gyms, all that. It's just, you know, it's LA is a really, uh, it's conducive to having a healthy lifestyle. So it's one of the reasons why I've moved out here and, and stayed out here. And I'm not the only one. I mean, look at the population out here. The sun works really good. So yeah, the, uh, it's you not can't, a bad place. can't really beat the, uh, the year round weather there. Okay. So Chris Chelios, Okay, just I'm just gonna in, just put his name into your brain. Uh, mm-hmm. I want you to tell me a great Chris Chelio story because he lives across the street from you. But before mm-hmm. we get to okay, I was at the gym recently, and mm-hmm. I was going to the, to play squash with my my boy Sonny, and uh, there are two guys in there, completely naked, and talking really loudly. Like it made me feel uncomfortable that two naked dudes were having a conversation, and then they walked into the shower. Naked, and continuing and continue to have a conversation loudly in the shower. I was like, "Is there no friggin' etiquette in that's the gym?" Bad etiquette. That yep, is bad, bad etiquette, etiquette, isn't it? Yeah, that's bad etiquette. You gotta. You I'm like, know. who are you trying to impress? I'm just another right. dude. There's not like any right. chicks here who could see There's your no friggin' your 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 one pack. Like if you had a six pack and with the with yep. the V. All that stuff connecting to your lower abs. Yeah, I get it. You want people it's to so look at you. Still not acceptable. You can't keep your voice down and put a towel on. Yeah, you don't know I don't. people. If you're, in a, if you're in a dressing room with 25 guys that you see naked every day, and it just is, you know, you don't care. That's one thing. If you're in a gym where you don't know people, yeah. you know one guy, just keep it down. Mind your own business. You yeah. know, we're talking about your stuff when you go for go to Subway Fox. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Hey man, I oof, those five dollar footlongs. I've lived off those. A lot of Dude, carbs though. A lot of carbs. These flatizas that they got, these two for five flatizas, these little pizzas. Now I'm just, I mean, that's that's my that's my thing now. I'm oh, like I like it. Heroin. I like it. Hey, so um, how do you feel about? Okay, I was on Twitter today, and for those listening, uh, to follow uh, Sheldon Surrey's adventures on Twitter, it's at s surrey one word s s o u r a y at s surrey. Um, so like this dude, I following was like. He like was giving like a birthday shout out to his to his girlfriend, and I notice I don't know if you're on the book of faces on Facebook, but people do it all the time. Like, uh, my best friend of nine years, I'm so happy to be married to you. All this kind of stuff. Is that the expectation now in, in relationships? Is to like make these public displays of affection? It's almost like you have to do it in a public form as opposed to telling your lady privately, like. You know, you mean the world to me. I mean, you know, and showing her that you love her and you care about her and you respect her and you want to wish her happy birthday in private. What do you think? Dude, 
What a great question and such an appropriate question for like my situation right now okay, with my girlfriend okay, what, okay. And, and for our genre. Like I don't have Facebook. I get people all the time are like, hey man, you never hooked me back on Facebook. Hey, you didn't send me that jersey. You know, I had that conversation with you on Facebook. I don't have it. I'm like, dude, I don't have it. Um, so I don't have it. I'm not a big social media guy. I'm not very smart with computers. Um, I do like the Twitter because it allows me to follow things in real time. If I want to know something about, you know, this jet that's gone missing. Right, the one in, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I want to find out about, you know, the the building that blew up in New York, well, I just have to, you know, uh, type it in and I'll find out. A thousand people are talking about it. But my girlfriend is on Twitter. And she has a lot of followers on Twitter, and you know she's she's fairly popular on on Twitter, and she likes the Twitter um, a lot more than I do. And if I don't wait, is it is it public? Her, is it public knowledge that you guys are together? Like, is it out there in the the Twitter universe, or is that just for oh, your, yeah. your friends? Yeah, with Barbie, with Barbie, yes, yeah, no, no. She's okay, that, that's been out there for a while, right? You know, she's she kind of broke that ice. Um, and she's got way more followers than I do, but like if I don't, what what is her does, what is her Twitter handle for people that are discovering this for the first time that you have that you're in a uh, that your girlfriend's name is Barbie, Barbie Blank. So it's the Barbie Blank. The Barbie Blank. Yeah. And she used to be like she used to be a wrestler, yeah. Yeah, she's a WWE wrestler. Yeah. Or a di- yep. they're they're divas, diva. right? They're divas. Yeah, she's a diva. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Please continue. Yep. So she's got she's much more uh, popular and, and much better looking than uh, than I am. So Dude, yeah, she's hot. She's she, an eleven. She's she's yeah. an eleven. <laughs> yeah, she's good. I, I if I can say that respect, I say that respectfully because I've met her. No. wonderful girl. You, you you are you could you could say it disrespectfully to it all means. No, 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 no. She's still she's still an eleven. So um, I overshot my target there for sure, but. So when she Whatever. breaks something on on Twitter, she says, uh, "All right, my here is a picture of us at home. I just took my boyfriend dinner." If I don't retweet that or say thank you, it's like watching a show on TV when like the guy in the movie like cheats on the girl. You know, I always if if, I, if I'm watching a movie with my girlfriend and like the guy cheats on his wife in the show or something like that like we're always in a fight yeah she thinks you know you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. same thing it's the same thing on twitter like if she says something on twitter and i don't immediately respond with (laughs) oh i love you too babe or like we are in a full-blown fight oh man so you and i don't get it yeah it's weird right babe i like I, i feel like I show you every day how much I love you and you know this is I, I don't feel like I have to justify it to you know my my insignificant amount of followers if you are looking for some sort of like public you know praise that you cook me dinner well then maybe you shouldn't tell me I love it that she does tell me because she's a lot more in demand than I am but don't expect I don't know is it you know is it bad etiquette that you don't you know what I mean? Yeah, I, like, I don't, I, I, dude. It's it's a different world we live in. I never thought it was. I, I never thought it was like if they, they're saying it because they want to, right? That's the same. Like I would say it because I want to say something to her, which you know I share between her. Like I don't feel like I love her anymore if I say, "Hey guys out there on Twitter, I right. love 
you, Barbie Blank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, so I, to- I, I totally get question. it. I totally get it. It's a really it. good question that you asked me because I feel like I'd rather show her and tell her privately, but I still love her if she writes me something and I don't reply right away. Like, I still love you. You know what I mean? We're not breaking up that you cooked me dinner and I didn't say thank you to everybody. <laughs> um, she, uh, she has like, almost like 700,000 followers. That's a that's a large following. And uh yeah. some of her followers are as uh, are Cam Fowler, one of your teammates, Adam Burrish, yeah. who's yeah. kind of the yeah. reason you gave on uh yeah. uh Biz Nasty, Bobby yeah. Ryan, these are some of your peers, Mike Commodore, yeah. George Trombolopoulos, yeah. and Questlove. Yeah. Questlove the drummer for the Roots, who's like yeah. one of the coolest people on Twitter. All follow your lady. Mhm. I know it's uh, well. Most of those guys we know, and actually today I had Questlove follow me, which was a, a funny story. Oh wow! Okay, um, that's dope, dude. I'm, I'm I'm following this thing on Twitter. It's like a fascinating pictures type thing. Like that's what I like about. That's why I follow Twitter. You know, the, uh, fascinating pictures or uh, facts. You know, like Uber facts or whatever. Anyways, I see this thing on fascinating pictures yesterday. It's a picture of a wall with a bush kind of growing over this wall. Well, some street art performer came and he drew a head and an arm with a, a hair pick going into the bush. So it looks like Questlove. Oh, nice. So I just copied the picture and I, you know, sent it to Questlove. I said, what do you think Questlove? Well, he favored it and retweeted it and started following me today. Oh, dope! That's awesome, so I man. That, I thought that was uh, pretty funny. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a funny it's a small world because I knew that he was already following Barbie <laughs> because he he had, he had sent her some sort of uh, message before about I think she won the championship. He congratulated her. Oh, nice, so nice. We'd already known that he was uh, uh, following her, but all the other people are all friends, you know, and I think she follows all of them too. I mean. It's a little fraternity of guys, and uh, you know we've met some great guys along the way. And you know she's a she's a popular person, a really cool person. And you know a guy like Adam is one of my best buddies that uh, that I've that I've met. He's just one of my best buddies. Period. Um, you know, go on vacation with them and stuff like that. So oh, I didn't you know, know I didn't know you guys were that tight. I mean, you yeah. you 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 kind of ripped them or chirped them on on Twitter. So I figured you guys were friends or yeah. friendly enough, but I didn't know that you yeah. guys were actually boys. No, we're we're buddy. When I I I hated him much like everybody else when I played against him, and then <laughs> when I went and signed in Dallas, um, the two oh, guys. Oh, that's I right. I, yeah, the two guys I thought I'd hate the most, or the two guys I ended up liking uh, as as much as anybody probably that I've ever played with, and that's uh, Adam Burrish and Steve Ott. I mean, just great guys to to have on your side. So Adam, you know, he comes and visits me in Idaho, stays with me for for a week. We go on vacations. I mean, he's just a really really good dude, and. Um, I enjoyed watch, uh, reading your handle when you said to him, you know, read my podcast, he's friends with, you know, or listen to my podcast, he's friends with Vince Vaughn. And that's why I had to chirp him. I said, wearing, you know, <laughs> an average Joe's gym uh, shirt and watching uh, Wedding Crashers doesn't make you friends with him. But um, he's got some he's got some good lines, too. He's a great guy. He's, you know, introduced me to the Aldean guys. So I've been able to, to, to oh, the, the country get in singer. that group. Yeah. Oh, nice. I mean, it's cool. It's a cool for, you know, being hockey players, there's really no, um, you know, it's just, it's almost like having brothers, you know what I mean? So there's no, it's not like a weird thing. You know how girls sometimes, well, if they introduce 
that girl to a girl well everything kind of has to go through that girl yes they can't be friends separately yeah dude yeah well that's not us you know what i mean like hey this is jason aldean here's the number now you guys are friends like i don't want to like it's so you know that it's that's been cool i mean i've been able to meet a lot of uh very cool people throughout other cool guys knowing and and doing cool things so um adam's one of those guys he you hit the nail on the head he's a a solid dude, like much hockey players uh, are, and uh, you know he a lot of a lot of other people in in different uh, fields of work recognize that, and he's been able to do some cool things, and and not to mention he's just a really good guy. Tell me about your neighbor Chris Chelios. He he lives down the street from you at your Malibu house. You mentioned it when I came to your crib. He's like, oh, Chelios just lives down the street, and he has these great parties. Can you describe what an average Chris Chelios party is like? An average Chris Chelios party is going to start early in the day. Okay. Um, it's going to go not too late at night because there aren't going to be a lot of people left standing. Okay, yeah. You're yeah. going, if you were inclined to do so, you would probably be asking a lot of people for a lot of different autographs. He is so connected to so many different people from, you know, whatever, Cindy Crawford to John Cusack to, uh, you know, when he won the cup. I don't know if you were down there when, if you're doing any of the uh, reporting on it, but like. No, that was, was before came, my era. Oh, yeah. Like 2002, you're talking about, there. right? It was. In uh, Dallas or in uh, Detroit? 02. Yeah. No, it was Detroit. Yeah. 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 Yep. That was like the greatest um, team ever assembled, that team, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, not... it, it might have been, besides maybe the Oilers, it prob- of our, our, our era, probably, you know, with all this, with no salary cap and stuff, I mean, some of the biggest superstars. And, uh, you know, I remember, like, Tom Cruise coming down to get a picture at the beach, you know, just to see it. I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger coming down there. I mean, just everybody. What do you mean? Wait, 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 wait. Tom Cruise went to Chris Chelios' house? Oh, yeah. And Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger went to Chris Chelios' house? Well, you got to think, he had Kid Rock and Eddie Vedder singing on the beach with the house band. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's a Chris Chelios party. So you're going to come down, and when you come down, his, you know, best buddy, Kid Rock, is going to grab the mic and sing for, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And then Eddie Vedder is going to get up and, you know, sing a couple songs for with, with the crowd. And uh, whatever, John Cusack's going to be playing the tambourine while those guys are doing it. That's a Chris Chelios party. See that that I don't understand how Chris Chelios is such a G. I know he played the bulk of his career in Chicago and I know he and I guess he's just one of those old school old school gangster types because recently when uh uh, th- during the last Hockey Hall of Fame, and oh, when he got inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, recent or like in uh, September or October, whenever yeah. it was, yep. there was one of the greatest parties ever thrown in Toronto, which seems like an average party at Chris Chelios's house because at this party, Kid Rock, you mentioned Kid Rock came and he was yep. playing music at so we're, they're at Gretzky's restaurant here in TO. Yeah, go yep. ahead. Yeah, no, that, um, yeah, I'm listening to you. Yeah, you're you're. That's- were you uh, there? Who, were, you, were you at this party or no? No, but okay. I've I been, yeah, I wasn't at that one, but I've been at that party 20 times. So, okay. Cindy Crawford. Right, Cindy Crawford, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so uh, Kid yeah. Rock was playing, and uh, McEnroe was there, I believe, and yep. 
and Wayne Gretzky was there, which is, yeah. Wayne Gretzky is like God here in Canada, obviously. Yeah. And Michael Jordan was there, like yeah. the GOAT, the greatest of all time, flew from Charlotte or wherever he was to Toronto to have, like, to come to be a part of his Hall of Fame induction. Like, Michael Jordan, like... I, I revere Michael Jordan is resonates with me because I, I'm I obviously I love basketball and MJ is uh, to many people of, of my generation like the greatest ever. So when I heard and my friend was DJing at Gretzky's, this dude named uh, um, Captain Kirk, and he was tweeting about it, and I was doing a podcast that night. I'm like. I'm missing the greatest party ever right now. He's like, are you coming? I'm like, no, dude, I'm working. I'm following your Twitter feed. But I was like, holy crap. So I don't understand. Maybe you can enlighten me, but how is Chris Chelios such a G? Well, he's just a really cool guy. You know, bottom line is he treats everybody like they're a celebrity, and, and he's the fan. You know what I mean? He is just, uh, you know, he's the reason why I moved out to Malibu. You know, I, I was doing some training with him. I was going out there once a week and riding the bike or whatever with him. And he's like, why didn't you just move out there? Like, why didn't you just move out here, you know? And, and uh, you know, I'll introduce you. I've seen the, the, the crew he was running with. And obviously, I've seen he's, you know, one of my favorite defensemen of all time, one of my idols. I'm like, yeah, why don't I? You know, and he just took me under his wing and, and um you know, I would say even help me I'll go so far as to say he's helped me become a better hockey player. You know, I met him in, I don't know, 03 or 04 or 05, and, and just to be around him and to see, you know, he's a perfect balance of, like, you want to go out till 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, and have a great time and, 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 and have fun. And then you want to be up at 7 in the morning and be the first guy at the gym and working the hardest. Well, that's Chris Chelios. So what a great guy to learn from, you know, learn that. Well, you kind of can have your cake and eat it too. It's going to be hard. I don't think everyone can do it because not everyone is Chris Chelios, obviously. But um, just a great role model. And he just treats everybody like, you know, just like regular, whether you're Michael Jordan or you're Cindy Crawford or you're Kid Rock or you're his next-door neighbor or you're, you know, the guy who played hockey with him years ago all being treated exactly the same. That's how you and treat me, man. And that's which what, I well, appreciate. You know, you're 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 a good dude. I mean, there's I, you know, Chelly's another thing that Chelly is, is he doesn't want anything from anyone. Like he's already he doesn't have to try to he doesn't have an ego. He doesn't need to show or or prove himself to anybody. He's just Chris Chelios. And I think people like that, you know. That's dope. Um I teased on Twitter. See, I don't know if we'll be able to tell this story, but I teased on Twitter. I said, I want to start with the story about your wall at your house. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of say that in jest because I don't know if we could do, I don't think we could actually tell the story, but I, uh, I went to your, I, we were, um, we were going to do a, a story in 09 and I flew out to Edmonton and then it's the first time your hand, your hand got messed up and we didn't get to shoot the story and it was right around the trade deadline, and then you were going to get traded out west, and it didn't happen until the following year, and then, like, something... Dude, how many how many adult men have you punched in the face, whereas, like, your hand is, like, now it's, like, it's, like, it's not 100% anymore? Well, it's that, you know, that's one of the reasons, but um, 
Cabby, I, I won't forget. I mean, and, and no one really knows this. Like, I've never really told the story about everything that went down in Edmonton, but you were actually, and you know this, I mean, you had flown in to do a story on me, and I'd just flown back from the Olympic break um, after breaking my hand, and I had the surgery on it. I had just flown back from L.A. Uh, on the Olympic break to Edmonton, and you met me in Edmonton. Yeah. And we were going to do a big story, remember, and I got sick that day. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be able to meet you for dinner, and can we maybe just do this tomorrow or whatever? And uh, you were so cool. You're like, yeah, man, cool. And, dude, that night I got rushed to the hospital. Yes. And I stayed uh, 11 days in the hospital. I was four days in the ICU because I'd gotten a, a blood and a bone infection in my hand. And... Um, you know, I remember because of the screws, right? The screws that were of, yeah, the the pins that were put in my hand. Yeah, I got got a staph infection, and you know, it was a a very serious thing where they were talking about cutting off my hand. And you know, everyone in Edmonton at the time was once I kind of blew up the organization on my way out. Everyone was like, "This guy's a baby, this and that." Well, I was in the hospital there for for four or five days, and uh, you know, I remember the management had thought that I was faking an injury. They didn't even know that I was in the hospital, possibly going to get my hand cut off. And I just spent four days in ICU. But you were there. You remember that you were at my, I remember that you were at my house with, with your boy. I think he was the producer. And uh, and I said, guys, I think we're going to have to do, I, was, I started getting sick right then. And then that night I got rushed to the hospital. I remember, and you yeah. told me, like, and I, yeah. I was texting you and you respond every few hours or whatever, but I remember having, like, I didn't want to, you told me what was happening with you, but yeah. I wasn't going to make that public because that's not, that's not the, like, that's not the job that I have. I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a reporter in that way, like yeah. Pierre Lebrun or something. Great guy, no, but we I, I don't boys. have to, no. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't re report the news, but you were telling me what was going on and I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is like, this is like, like kind of scary. Like the, you know, you're telling me some of the complications, like, holy crap. I'm like, you know, I was like, do you want, do you want me to come by, bring some magazines? Yeah. You're like, no, my, I think you had some, some family had come or whatever. You were, you were kind of, yeah. you, you had like your loved ones around you, but it was like, it was a weird uh, moment for me because I didn't, I didn't know what to do and I couldn't help you. I wanted to help you. And then, you know, I had the story to do, but I was like, F the story. I'll just wait to see how you're doing. And then you ended up spending 11 days in the hospital. We never did story, but I remember you were, t you were very honest with me, but, and I wasn't going to tell, you know, tell like report yeah. that. Cause that's, you know, I have no interest in that kind of stuff. No, I remember that buddy. I remember. And you know, it, it, the Edmonton debacle, it would, it ended up being, I mean, on the way out of town, and I know people were, were uh, really sore at me for that, and, you know, a lot of people got the wrong idea, called me a baby, and that I, you know, was I, the team didn't call me, so I, you know, I screwed them, and I left this big, uh, you know, left in this big blaze of uh, glory, but, you know, the, the truth was that they were, they were, I got really sick and you were there for that. There was no fake. And I mean, they were going to cut my hand off in the hospital and spending four days in the ICU was definitely not fun. But, you know, to be questioned uh, about you faking an injury was something that, you know, I just thought was like kind of the turning point. And I was on a, dude, I, from that, they had to put like this intravenous line into my bicep and that went into my heart. So I had to carry this little fat, you would have loved this because I had to carry this little fanny pack. Oh, that's with, awesome! With a uh, with a with your wallet bag of and in it. <laughs> with my wallet, <laughs> your your car keys, yeah, and my capstick. <laughs> um, I had to all that in this fanny pack, but no, I had to for like ten weeks. I had to keep this uh, fanny pack on, 
and uh, get this medicine pumped in to get rid of this infection. And, you know, I had the organization, you know, thinking that I was milking an injury because I didn't want to play that year or something. So um, I haven't really ever told that story before, but I'm telling it now, and we're kind of discussing this because I remember you'd flown in to do that story, and uh, and you were there not as a, a reporter but as a friend, and you were you were really supportive. And you didn't write, you didn't end up running the story, which would have probably been a pretty juicy story at the time for you yeah. to, uh, to 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 get out there. But you know, um, that's why whenever you say you jump, you know, I say how high. That's never, why I, never, I, not I, I really, uh, I, I do appreciate our friendship, and Thank you, you have been one of the good ones throughout my uh, throughout my career, and. Uh, you know, you're, you're one of the good ones. But, yeah, that's just talking about it now. Um, it kind of seems like yesterday. You know, it was a long time ago, but that kind of seems like yesterday that happened. Hey, uh, we, you're, you kind of, we're not we're not talking about the wall. <laughs> the wall. <laughs> well, let's just, let's, why don't you tell the, why don't you just preface it a bit, and I'll just fill in a couple blanks. Uh-huh. Maybe the name, maybe not the names. Okay, okay. But we can just tell okay. maybe. So, uh, true or false, at your at your house in Edmonton, there's a, a wall in your basement in, in like this massive like wreck area that's like uh that's like a chalkboard material. True or false? True. Okay. Now on this wall, uh some of the guests have uh write their names on this wall. True or false? That is true. I like to have everyone who's visited that game room. Uh, I like to have them sign my wall. Right. Uh, true or false? Uh, uh, a uh, was she a Playboy playmate? Uh, oh, that's that. That's true. Yeah. Oh, she. she okay. Yeah. True or false? A yeah. Playboy play has has written her name on on the wall. Yes, true. And true or false, my reaction to seeing that name on the wall was uh, filled with profanities, and I couldn't believe it. That was 100% true. (laughs) That was 100% true. Uh, That was actually... uh, I wish we had a camera on you for that one. That kind of caught you out of... uh, Yeah, because I'm reading it. I'm reading it, and then I see the name, I'm like, what? I'm like, is that... Blankety blank. You're like, yeah. I'm like, she was here. You're like, yeah. I, you're like, yeah. That was, uh, yeah. I was like, man, you're a friggin' G. Uh, oh, fun. man. Uh, Sheldon Surrey. Always, uh, always a pleasure speaking with you, man. And uh, I appreciate our friendship. And I, and thank you for the stories. They were, they were great. I know that we could talk for another three or four hours, but I don't want to keep you. You have some sunshine to go enjoy on the left coast. Um, when I'm out there, I will holler at you and I'm, uh, I'm down, I'm down to have a fresh coconut after a workout and after I eat some, uh, either sand or sweat or pride or working out mm-hmm. with you on the beach. Well, we will do all of that. And I appreciate you having me on. I know I've been out of sight, out of mind, and you have a long list of very, very important people that would love to do this with you and thank you for keeping me in mind and having me on here to uh have a little fun with you buddy it's always a pleasure you know it man you know it. okay i'll talk to you soon and, and get that hand back to 100 percent, please no more punching dudes in the face thank you daddy i'll talk to you soon sounds good brother but thank you for listening to cabbie presents the podcast 